Uh, thank you very much, Ruth. Um, yes, like um, Ruth said, we were, we've, John started two weeks ago, started a series on gospel-driven generosity, and we had John speak to us on, on generosity and God's grace. So I'm going to be picking up on that theme of gospel-driven generosity, and today I'll be speaking to us on generosity and hospitality. Generosity and hospitality. Now, as believers of, of um, Jesus Christ, we, we've been called to be generous. Yeah, two weeks ago, we were told generosity is not always about money. You know, so um, relax. And today's generosity is not about money. It is about hospitality. You know, and, and God has called us to be generous in everything. We have to be generous with our time. We have to be generous with our resources, our gifts. You know, if you have certain gifts, don't, don't keep it to yourself. You should be generous with your gifts. You have to be generous in forgiveness, in, in grace, to be generous in our speech, to be generous. Why? We have to be generous because we serve a generous God, and we are to reflect the image of God. In fact, the Bible says we ought to be imitators of God. Um, 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. So we know that Christ became poor, it, it took on humanity, so that we can come into his family and we can enjoy the riches of his glory. And also generosity is not something we do just because we're commanded to do it. It's something that flows from our hearts. It's an overflow of the grace of God that's in our hearts. You know, when you, when you think of hospitality, because today we are focusing on hospitality part of generosity, I wonder what comes to your heart. You know, many of us, you know, we, we entertain guests regularly, and so we will consider ourselves to be hospitable people. You know, some, some of us, we entertain even people who are not that close to us, so we consider ourselves to be hospitable people. So I wonder what comes to your mind when you think of hospitality for some weird reason. Um, because of COVID, when we say hospitality, I just think of eight house to help out. Anyone remember that? You know, the moment when uh, the hospitality industry was struggling and say, I'll go out and eat. And so when I think of hospitality, I'm thinking of, you know, going out and just eating out to help out, to help my stomach as well. <laughs> but, the, but the Bible has a radical, radical definition of Christian hospitality. It's so different from what we will consider hospitality. You know, so what does the Bible say about hospitality? In Hebrews 13 and 12, in Hebrews 13 and 12, it says, let the love of the brothers and sisters continue. Do not neglect, neglect hospitality to strangers, for by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. So we can see the Bible is saying hospitality involves continually loving the brothers and sisters, that's the church family, and also extending it to strangers. In Romans 12 and 13, it says, Share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. So again, he's saying hospitality involves sharing. Sharing with who? sharing with the Lord's people who are in need. And in Leviticus 19 and 34, the Bible says, When a stranger resides with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. The stranger, the stranger who resides with you shall be to you as the native among you, and you shall love him as you love yourself, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. I mean, there was a time when every one of us were strangers to God. The Bible says we were alienated from God. We were strangers until Christ came. And through his death, we became family. 
And also there was a time we were strangers. In fact, the word translated hospitality in the New Testament means love of strangers. The word for hospitality in the New Testament is love of strangers. And I like the way someone's defined it. And Tim Keller describes Christian hospitality as allowing strangers into your living space. Christian hospitality means allowing strangers into your living space. I've gone a bit further to build on that definition. And I'll say hospitality involves welcoming strangers into your living space and bringing them into close relationship so that they too may share in the benefits enjoyed by friends and family. I'll read that again. See, Christian hospitality involves welcoming strangers into your living space and bringing them into close relationship so that they too may share in the benefits enjoyed by friends and family. So what has hospitality got to the Bible passage we read this morning? Uh, Ruth kindly read for us from um, Luke chapter 12 and uh, 14 from 12. You know, Jesus was invited. It was, like, it was on a Sabbath. So to us, like a Sunday after service, he was invited to this prominent, um, prominent Pharisee's house, you know, to have a dinner. And while he was sitting there, he turned to the host and he said to the host, he said, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbor. If you do, they may ask you, they may invite you back and you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resur- resurrection of the righteous. What is he saying here? Is he saying Christian hospitality means once we become Christians, you know, you call your, you pick up your phone and call your friends, your brother and sister say, now a born again Christian, please, no more free lunches. You know, is that what he's saying? Is he saying once you become a Christian, you can't invite friends, you can't invite neighbors? I think it's not, that's not what Jesus Christ is saying. I mean, Jesus Christ is calling us to a radical, radical life, something different from the norm. And he uses these radical idioms, idiomatic expressions, like he says, if you want to follow me, you have to hate your father and mother. But he's not saying really that to be a Christian, you have to disrespect your parents or hate your parents, you know. He's just saying you have to have a love that is stronger than that. You know, the same way he's saying Christian hospitality is much more than just bringing friends and bringing family and bringing rich people, you know. Because Jesus Christ, when he, looks, when, when he looked at this gathering, you know, what he could see was a culture where people bring in people who are similar to them. Either similar in culture and similar in status. You know, you have about the same age group. Maybe you, have, you work in the same industry. So that's why he saw. He was looking at, at, at this group of people and he could only see prominent Pharisees maybe. And I was thinking, you shouldn't be comfortable if others were not comfortable. So what is he saying to us? He is saying to us that when we give luncheons, we should not look for people who can pay us back. And you might say, well, when I give luncheons, people don't pay me back, don't they? Because most times when you invite people, you invite people of a similar age so you can gain something from them. Or you invite people with similar, with similar interest, and then once you've had a chat, you gain something from them. Or you sometimes we invite people, we call it networking, right? We invite people so to step up the ladder. And that's what they used to do in those days. They will invite people with an understanding that those that have been invited will invite them back. And we sort of do the same thing in a similar way, but Christ is saying that is not Christian hospitality. You know, 
Uh, there was a prophecy on this church that this church is going to grow to become a church, a diverse church. And diversity is not only in race or ethnicity. No, diversity is in age. We have loads of young people. We have loads of older people. We have married couples. We have single people. You know, it's a diverse church. And that can pose a challenge to us. Because there will be certain people who feel like they are not in the mainstream demographics. And Jesus is saying, you need to bring everyone in. You know, I think it would be a shame if we all come here on a Sunday and we're singing and we're praising the Lord. And we're genuinely happy. But there are people amongst us who are feeling sad. Perhaps there are people who are sick. And much more, they can't relate with anybody. You know, because we've not, they've not been brought in. It would be really sad if someone wasn't feeling too good and they came in and nobody noticed. And then they went away the following Sunday. They, they didn't come back and nobody even noticed. So Christ is saying Christian hospitality is bringing people in, not just people who look like you, talk like you, you know, do the kind of job you do of your age group, of your marital status. He's saying bring everyone in. And also what he's not saying is, Oh, these people are, are inferior to you because of status. So do some charitable work for them. This is not charitable work, right? It's not, um, I've got some extra dishes of food, you know, let me put some soup in your belly. So it's not something like that. It's that Christian hospitality flows from a recognition that like we, like we sang earlier, we were once strangers, we were once blind, we were once poor. You know, the love that we have received from Christ, we are passing that on to other people. So Christ is saying, what he is basically saying here, he's not trying to make these people, it's not trying to spoil their party, basically. So it's not trying to spoil your party, because I know many of us, that is, that's what, I'm very guilty of that as well. Just last week I, I, went, I went, well, it wasn't, I wasn't the one the host, but I was invited, and that's what I would normally do. I invite people within my age group, people in my ethnicity, and it's just, it's just, not, it's just fun for us. But Christ is saying, don't get comfortable with that. Don't get comfortable with that. When Jesus Christ was on earth, you see, he reached out to people who others would not reach out to. You know, he touched the lepers. People were afraid of going near them. He touched them. He went to the blind and the widows. And God wants everybody to be included. He doesn't want anyone falling through the cracks. And that's what he's, he's calling us to do today. Now, um, I'll say, who is a stranger? So, who is a stranger? If hospitality involves welcoming strangers into our living spaces and getting close to them in relationship so that they enjoy the benefits, who is a stranger? I think the first thing I'll say this morning is, please and please, don't just go onto the streets and pick a random person and invite them home. Please, don't do that. That can be a bit dangerous. In the same token, don't stand at the door or turn to someone you've never spoken to in church today and say, you know, can you come to my house and have lunch? That would be a bit weird and uncomfortable as well, you know. So who is a stranger? You know, remember the story of the, of, of the Good Samaritan, right? The Jews, they believe that every Jew is a neighbor to each other. It doesn't matter if you're living side by side or you live in different towns. They believed in the days of Jesus Christ that they were all neighbors to each other. And in the story of the Good Samaritan, Jesus pointed out something. He said, someone who is a neighbor isn't someone who is of your ethnic, um, uh, it's not of your ethnic group or social economic um, status. Or someone who is your neighbor is someone who has come into contact with you. 
and found that you needed help or you needed to be shown the love of God and has shown that to you. In the same token, a stranger isn't just someone who is out there on the streets, right? So that we'll go and show them hospitality. So a stranger can be someone who is right here in our midst. A stranger can be someone who is right here in our midst. So for the purpose of Christian hospitality, I will say a stranger is someone you have come into contact with. A stranger is someone you have established contact with. And you've had the privilege of showing them God's love, sharing God's love with them, but you haven't done so. So a stranger is someone you've come into contact with, but you've not treated them as you would treat a family member or a friend. Now, for, for, from the parable um, Ruth read to us this morning, we could deduce two types of strangers. We could deduce two, uh, two types of strangers because... Um, the owner of the house said to the servant, he said, go, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. So the first thing he said was, go into the streets and the alleys of the town. And then he said afterwards, he said, go to the roads and the country lanes. So we saw some strangers were closer than others. Some were in the town, in the streets, in the alleys, right? And some were outside of the town. They were in the country lanes, perhaps people who had going on a journey from one country to another country. You know, but he said, bring both of them in. So we have strangers who are closer to us and strangers who are not as close to us. For me, I've categorized that as strangers who are in the church community, and I call them the uninvited because they are already in the community, but we've not brought them in. And then the strangers who are outside of the church community, I call them the outsiders. Those are the strangers uh, in the country lanes and the strangers on the road. So who are these uninvited strangers? So these are people we meet every Sunday. We meet them because we see them, but we've not connected with them. Now, there could be an uninvited stranger beside you right now because you've met them, but you've not connected with them. There could be one behind you right now because you've met them, you meet them every, every single Sunday, but you've not connected with them, you know? And these people could be one, one of this group of people. It could be a young adult who just moved into the local university. You know, they've just left home for the first time. They've left their family for the first time, and they've come to where we come. And that could be a stranger to you because you've met that person. But that person is feeling like they're on the fringe. We've not brought them in. No, we've not shown them the love and given them the benefits of being friends and family. I mean, we have a lot of people moving in from abroad. It could be a young family that just moved in from abroad. And we meet them every Sunday, and we know we haven't seen them before, but we've not extended help to them. We've not extended friendship to them, to us, they are strangers. And it could be a single person from whom it feels everyone else is in the family. You know, again, if someone is feeling isolated and we know, we see that they come in, and they come in by themselves, but we've not extended help to them, we've not extended friendship to them, they are strangers to us. You know, they are strangers everywhere. What am I saying? I'm not trying to say one group is better than another group. Right? I'm not saying the married group are the superior group who ought to look out for the inferior group who are singles. And I'm not saying the young people are better than the older people and they need to look out for the older people. What we are saying here is we belong to one family. We belong to one family. And when we come together, we should reflect that nobody should be left out. You know, nobody should be left out because they are not married. Nobody should be left out because they are married. 
and not for you singles when you're going for all those and all those things you go for. Don't 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 say I'm not gonna invite no, they are married people, they don't understand. Please invite us, we wanna come. Right? <laughs> don't, say, don't say they are too old, I'm not gonna invite them, right? So but, but I, I ask again, when was the last time you invited, if you're single, when was the last time you invited a married couple? You know, when for people, some of us have been in the church a while. You know, when was the last time you invited someone who has just been in the church for dinner? When was the last time we did that? So the uninvited people are beside us, they are here with us every day, but we've not extended hospitality to them. The other group of um, strangers, according to the Bible passage, are called the outsiders. So we have strangers in the church, that's people we see regularly. We might think they are not strangers because we know we're family, but we've not really extended friendship with them. So we have strangers in the church. And then we have strangers outside as well. We have strangers outside, people at work, people we meet every day. They are not within the church community. And again, we see them daily, but we've not extended friendship to them. You know, we've come into close proximity of them, but we've not bring them close into friendship. So how do we extend hospitality to these two groups of strangers. You know, we have the uninvited people within the church and we have the outsiders, people outside of the church. So how do we extend hospitality to these two groups of people? For those within the church, I'll say we need to be sensitive. We need to be sensitive. We need to be aware of our surroundings. You know, every time we come in on a Sunday, you know, the people leading the, the, the service will say to us, you know, turn around, say hello to someone beside you. And for most of us, you know, we stay in the same place every single Sunday. Oh, I normally sit somewhere at the back there. And when I come early, I sit there. If I come late and there's no seat there, I say, um, shall I go back? Um, my seat is taken. You know. <laughs> so we just, we just have this habit of just coming in, we know where we sit, and we go there. And it's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing because many of us do that. We're familiar with the people around us, right? So when people come in, you know, and then they say, I say hello. You say hello to the same set of people all the time. So how do we bring strangers in? So when we are saying this welcome to the church, some of the questions we ask are, oh, how long have you been coming to church? Right? How long have you been in Iwicom? Or do you come with your family? So we, we should be sensitive to things like that and mean them. Right? We mean them. So that when you see someone, they've told you last week they're single. When you see them next week, you're not asking about their partner. Not because they've told you they're single. So we need to be sensitive to things like that. And then when you see them next time, you... You follow up on that. You say, so how are you settling down? How are you doing? Have you settled into university? And, this, and slowly and gradually, you establish contacts. Once you've established contact, there are no more strangers to you. Because you've established contact, then you can start showing them hospitality. Sometimes it takes coming out of our comfort zone. It doesn't come naturally to me. And I know it doesn't come naturally to many of us. But once you open your mouth and you start opening your heart to people and you let down everything you'll find that it's not as difficult, and that's what Christ wants us to do. You know, at, at that garden with the Pharisees, he sat there, and he didn't want them to be comfortable, and Christ doesn't want us to be comfortable just relating to the people we are so familiar with. He doesn't want us to be comfortable. So he wants us to be sensitive, you know, to the people around us, so that people are not falling between the cracks, people are not missing out, people are not here feeling alone while they are in the midst of families. The other thing we can do to, to those strangers within the church is we can make ourselves available. We can make our living spaces available. I mean, the church is always looking for new small groups. 
If you have a home that is suitable, you can start a small group because what that does is a small group allows you to bring in strangers. You won't be in control of the people who come in. The church organizes that. And before you know it, you have a group of people coming together and you get to know them. You get to show them hospitality. I found actually that small group is one of the strongest, most powerful way of connecting in this church. You know, it's one of the ways of meeting people, meeting strangers, and making them friends and family. You know, once you, start, once, once you can open your home, and you open your home to people, your living spaces to people, just out of, not, not because your home is suitable or not because you want to show off that you have big enough home to host 20 people. It's out of humility, you know, you know you were a stranger to God. And you know that everything you have was given to you by God. So it's an act of worship. You know, you open yourself as an act of worship and you make your spaces available to people. But we don't all have spaces that are, that are big enough or suitable. Some, people, some of us don't have spaces that are big enough to say, oh, I want to make my home available for small group. But we can make ourselves available for small group. You know, we can take ourselves to other people's homes. There are lots of small groups and we can take ourselves out there so that we can connect with people. But again, you might say, I don't need that connection. But it's not about what we need. I think that's what Jesus Christ is trying to say here. It's not about a need. It's about how we can help other people. It's about how we can connect to what other people need. So also, if you make yourself available and you go to another small group, you will connect with people. And you can show them hospitality by asking them out. You can ask them out for a drink once you've connected, once you've established a relationship. And you can start to show them hospitality. And then we have these outsiders, the people I mentioned earlier. These people are not in the church. No, they are non-Christians. And we need to bring them in as well. The master in that parable, he said to the servant, he said, go into the streets. Go into the nearby areas first and bring in the people into the dinner. You know? And then after that, the servant says to the master, he said, there's still room. Now, and that's what God wants with us. The Bible says, as much as we can, we should show hospitality it says first to the people in God's family and then to everyone, right? God wants us to have room in our hearts for people in God's family, people who don't look like us, they, are not in our, they, are, they don't have our socioeconomic status, they are not in our age group. We show hospitality to them in the church family and we also show hospitality to them outside of the church family. Outside of the church family might even be a bit trickier than, than those inside the church family. It's going to take sacrifice, it takes flexibility, it takes willingness to adapt, you know, and, 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 it, and it, it, it takes boldness to actually step out there and invite these outsiders, bring these strangers in and show them hospitality. Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 19, Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 19 describes, I think, one of the things that I found as the most effective way of connecting to people who are outside of the church community. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 19, he said, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Though I am free, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. It means bringing people in from outside takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. It costs to be hospitable. It costs to show hospitality. Sometimes we think it only costs us the cost of the food we're going to make. It costs us people making a mess in the house. Or sometimes it costs more than that. It can cost you your reputation if you show hospitality to people. You know, but we have to be willing to pay the price 
you know, we have to be willing, you know, to serve. We have to be willing to extend. That's what Jesus Christ did. In the days of Jesus Christ, he was always being accused. He was accused of showing, us, showing hospitalities to the poor, to the sinners, to the tax collectors. Remember Zacchaeus? You know, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ said, I'll have dinner with you. He said, what? He's having a dinner with a, he's having dinner with a tax collector? No, hospitality cost. Hospitality cost. And that's what it takes. Sometimes we have to make that sacrifice to connect with people who are outside of the church. Paul continues. He said, to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law. Though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. So as to win those not under the law. To the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. Now, Paul is not saying we should compromise our beliefs. He's not saying when we go out there, we should be like the world. That's not what he's saying. You know, I had an experience recently where I had the opportunity of showing hospitality. Not hospitality in terms of inviting people home for lunch or dinner, you know, but it's hospitality in terms of inviting people into my living space, well, into my space, my physical space. And I didn't. And we were on holiday in Berlin um, just last month or two months ago in August. And then we were at this um, Holocaust Memorial. We've been there a few times and we just, every time we went there, we just, I just wanted to spend some time there. So on the last day, we went out again and we went by that place and we wanted to spend some time there. And as we crossed over to, to, this, to the other side, I saw this group of people. They were like um, Vietnamese monks, maybe, and they were dressed in their religious attire and this brown long gown with a such sort of around the neck. And as we crossed over, the Lord spoke to me. And initially, I didn't know it was God. I thought it was my thoughts. I said to me, Imagine those people ask you to have a picture with you. And my family was some distance behind me. And I reacted, you know, a Nigerian would know this reaction. And I said, God forbid. <laughs> you know, in Nigeria, when you say God forbid, it means like, no way. And I'm not saying that because they are of a different ethnic background. I'm saying that because they were of a different religious background. And I said, God forbid. I did, I said, God forbid, laughing. <laughs> and, 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 and then the Lord spoke to me. The Lord condemned me, actually. He said, you are intolerant, aren't you? If that was somebody telling me, I would object seriously. I said, no, 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 you don't know me. You can't bother me. He said, you are intolerant. So all I could do was, I'm sure that wasn't God. God wouldn't say I was. But I was intolerant. And guess what? Within a few seconds, the youngest of the group, they were about a group of five, three elderly men, one young man and, one, and a woman. The youngest of the group came to me and said, and I went like that and said, my master asked if we could have, uh, take pictures with you. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't believe it. I, I mean, I had no reason to think they would ask me. And then this thought came into mind, what if they asked? And I said, God forbid. And, and the Lord said, you're intolerant. And I just didn't understand what was happening. Before I called, he said, my master said, can we have pictures with you? I was like, I was looking for my wife. You know. <laughs> Sometimes it's, it's nice to have your wife, your wife's around. You know, the voice is like, you know, said it, it's like the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It's like, they, they said, um, they want to take pictures with us. And, and I was like, I was confused. I was like, because in my mind, 
in my mind, I was thinking I'm of this higher religious persuasion. And these people, they're idol worshippers, you know. They're monks, and I don't know what idols they worship. And in Nigeria, you say, don't go, don't want to go there, idols, you know. You just, you're a Christian, and you want to... And that, and that was my thinking. But what Paul is saying here, and we, we did take him, we took him a, few, a, a few pictures together, actually. I have some of them I should have shared on the screen, but I didn't send them. You know? And when we took pictures together, and I went all day, I was thinking, am I intolerant? Am I intolerant? Am I intolerant? And I thought we're not supposed to associate with them, this kind of people. Am I intolerant? And that's what Paul is saying here. He said, to the Jews, I became like a Jew. To those on, we have to be flexible. At one point, we were strangers. My great-grandfathers were there, were idol worshippers. You know, many Nigerians will tell you their great-grandfathers were idol worshippers. Some of them worshipped woods and gods of stones and so many different gods. And some of them even worshipped the devil as the devil, not innocently. They called the god devil and they worshipped I mean, worship that god. But at one point we were all strangers. I was a stranger, you know, and God brought us in. And that's what God is saying. You know, we have to remember that we are strangers, and we have to be flexible and we have to adapt. All I needed to be was a tourist. Right? Not a Pharisee. I was supposed to be a tourist in Berlin and take pictures with other tourists. But I was looking down because of their religious persuasion. So Paul is saying, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. God hasn't given up on the people outside of the church community. And he wants us to do all things possible so that by all means we might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel. Any kind of hospitality we do, we are doing for the sake of the gospel. There's no point giving people a massive plate of rice or a big portion of cake if at the end of the day all the hospitality, in spite of all the hospitality, they still ended up in hell. The point of showing Christian God-driven hospitality gospel-driven hospitality, is to bring them in so that they can experience the greatest hospitality of all. Showing hospitality takes a realization that we were once strangers, that we were once poor, we were once blind, and God has brought us in. And you cannot give Christian gospel-driven hospitality, you cannot show Christian hospitality if you have not first received Christian hospitality. So everything I have said today is for those who have received Christian hospitality, those who have humbled themselves, they've accepted Jesus' invitation. But if you're here today exploring a Christianity, or if you're here today and you've not yet accepted Jesus' invitation, I want to assure you that there's an invitation waiting for you. Jesus himself is the greatest host, is the biggest host. He said, in my father's house, there are many rooms, and I go to prepare a place for you. And when I go, I will promise, and this, I promise that when I go, I will come back for you and take you to my side so that where I am, there you may also be. So if there's anyone who hasn't received the invitation, you cannot give gospel-driven hospitality. But I'm telling you, the invitation is there for you. Jesus is inviting you. He says, I stand at the door of your heart and knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, I will come in and dine with you. For those of us who have accepted Christ, we've accepted this invitation, there's a challenge for us today. If Jesus came into your midst, like he went into the midst of the Pharisees, what group of people would he find? When you're giving hospitality, what group of people would Jesus find? I think God is calling us to a radical way of generosity. 
And like I said in the first service, the church has been seriously generous. I mean, John just told us about exceeding our target of our generosity given to the church in Kathmandu. No, but God is calling us to a different kind of generosity, a more inclusive one, one that looks inwardly at first and looks outwardly. I pray that as we reflect on what God has done for us, God will give us the heart also and the generosity to extend that grace to those who need hospitality. Amen. Amen. Amen.